Welcome to Debate and Discussion, a podcast presented by Xavier Newswire. I'm your host, Erin Albright. During the episode, I will be joined by two guests who will debate a controversial topic relating to Xavier or current events. Here is the 2021 MLB season and what to watch for. What a year it has been for baseball. At this time in 2020, nobody even knew if there would be a baseball season ahead. The coronavirus pandemic and stalling negotiations between the MLB and its players' union threatened to end the season before it even began. Nevertheless, baseball prevailed, yielding one of the weirdest seasons on record. A 60-game regular season ended with the Los Angeles Dodgers prevailing over the Tampa Bay Rays in a six-game series, followed by a collective sigh of relief that the season had actually been finished and not canceled. Fast forward to now, regularity has been easier to come by. Spring training is winding down. A fresh 162-game season is set to begin soon. Here are a few things to keep your eye on as the regular season rolls around on April 1st. The Astros are not out of the woods yet. Baseball's cheaters, also known as the Houston Astros, are now over 12 months removed from a multi-year sign-stealing scandal which left baseball fans and players alike angered, saddened, and unsure what to do moving forward. Last year, the pandemic came at the right time for the ball club, seeing as there were no fans in attendance to ridicule the team to no end. Now that America is in the home stretch of defeating COVID-19, fans will begin to return to the stands as the season moves along. Only four players remain from the infamous Astros title team, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, and Yuli Gurriel. Each of these four players turned in below career average performances this past season. Was that due to the pandemic? A lack of spring training reps, perhaps? Or was it due to the fact that they were no longer able to steal signs? Only time will tell. The second thing that you should look out for is Marlins' new general manager, Kim Ng. Major League Baseball made history this past winter, with the Miami Marlins awarding decades-long front office executive Kim Ng the full-time general manager position, the first woman to hold such a role in the history of any of the major sporting leagues in the United States. Ng inherits a talented young roster, which made it to the postseason this past year. The Marlins' trio of starting pitchers, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and budding ace Sixto Sanchez provide the team with a solid foundation to build on. Can Miami take the next step and win in the postseason? We will have to find out, but in the Marlins' favor, there are few people in the MLB who have more experience being around and contributing to winning more than Kim Ng. In our last point, can the Reds make a push to contend? The 2020 MLB season was a roller coaster for our hometown Cincinnati Reds. Finishing with a 31-29 record, the Reds found a way into the postseason. Cincinnati might as well have not been there, however, setting an MLB record by going scoreless in 22 innings in their playoff series against the Atlanta Braves. One would think after a performance like that, the team would have made more of a push to make changes in the offseason. Nope. Instead, the Reds lost ace and National League Cy Young Award winner Trevor Bauer to free agency, among other key players. The team made no moves of note by trade or through free agency to get better, leaving fans wondering what their ceiling is for the 2021 season. 
What is known is that the team will need better offensive seasons out of Joey Votto, Nicholas Castellanos, Mike Moustakas, and Eugenio Suarez if they have any chance to compete in the postseason. That introduction was written by our show manager, Will Pembroke. Thanks, Will. Here to debate MLB season predictions tonight, we have Tyler Clifton and Joe Clark. Tyler is a freshman PPP and history double major, and Joe is a junior communications major. Can you both introduce yourselves for me and state your stances? Uh, yeah, I'm Joe. Uh, I, I think that the White Sox will win the World Series this year. Uh, I'm Tyler, and I think that the LA Dodgers are going to win the World Series this year again. Yeah, so the White Sox, I think, are going to get a big step up in production out of Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, which gives them a really dynamic lineup along with uh, Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. And then I like their pitching staff. I mean, Dallas Keuchel, Lucas Giolito. I'm expecting Michael Kopech to be healthy and pitch well this year. I think they have all the makings of a playoff team, and then the playoffs, everything's just kind of a mess. I mean, who you can't really predict the playoffs. I think they got the three pitchers they need, and they got a good enough lineup that they're going to be able to surprise a few teams and win the World Series. I I really have to disagree with you on that one because I just don't know enough about the White Sox yet. They have they only made the postseason in the expanded format, not in the traditional MLB format. So a lot of MLB fans are kind of skeptical about the expanded postseason last year. Anyways, I mean we saw the ratings just plummet for it. So. I have, I, I'm optimistic about the White Sox that they will probably they should probably be able to win the AL Central because it's a two-team race now between them and Minnesota. But you got to go look back at the defending World Series champions. Like they've got stars all across the diamond. I mean Cody Bellinger, of course. I mean you, they finally got Clayton Kershaw a ring. But the pitching staff, oh my gosh, I think it's on par with like the '90s Braves in terms of just sheer just star power. I mean, they've got Clayton Kershaw, David Price. They just brought in Trevor Bauer. I mean, you've got good relievers like Julio Rios and Kensley Jennings. Like, you've got so much talent. Though, yes, they've spent more money than most people know what to do with. They've just got so much talent. I feel like now that they've already got one World Series, it's just going to keep building off of that, and they're going to be the team to beat in the MLB. I don't disagree that on paper the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, but it's so tough to repeat. And their pitching staff, while on paper, it looks really good. David Price struggled his last few years at Boston besides the 2018 World Series run. He was fantastic in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he was always a little bit iffy, and he wasn't a great playoff pitcher prior to that. And then Trevor Bauer, again, I mean, last year he, was the, he won the Cy Young. He's a great pitcher. But the guy struggled a little bit towards the end of his tenure in Cleveland. He wasn't great when he first got in a full season with the Reds. I think in a full season... It'll be a little bit challenge, more challenging for the Dodgers, and they have a tougher, they have a tough division. I mean, they're going to face up the Padres. Padres made a ton of moves this offseason. Great lineup, great rotation. That's going to be a legitimate threat in the NL West this year. So the two of them are going to duke it out back and forth. Throughout a 162-game season, is the wear and tear on the Dodgers' arms going to be too much? I don't know. I just don't know. It's just so tough to repeat in baseball. I don't know if they'll be able to do it. I definitely see where you're coming from there. I mean, like I totally agree that, like, well, personally, I feel like there's only three teams in the NL that are capable of winning the pennant. Obviously, we've just lit named two of them in the Dodgers and the Padres, with the Padres making all those incredible moves into the offseason, like trading for Blake Snell. They got you Darvish signing uh, Tatis to that insanely large contract, $340 million. 
But I think the other team that we're not mentioning in this discussion is the Atlanta Braves. Like, they have three players who I think are MVP caliber players. Like, they've got Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, and the defending NL MVP in Freddie Freeman. Their pitching staff is a little bit suspect because they've decided to hold on to all those prospects that they've had throughout the years. They didn't trade for Chris Sale. They never made moves for the big-name starters that were available. Now I think it's coming time to see if those guys can actually bear fruit and be, like, real real players and see if they actually have something. Like, they did bring in Charlie Morton as kind of a veteran presence, so I've got cautious optimism about the Braves, but growing up in Atlanta, I know the history of Georgia sports, so I fully expect them to just either win the World Series or blow a 2-0 lead in the NLDS. Joe, I have a question for you. Wouldn't you say that Jose Abreu is getting a little bit old? Do you think he might take a step back this year? He was really, really good last year. And you never know with these guys, but he's not really playing the field. He plays more of a DH role. So how much is he really going to play the field? He's just hitting. David Ortiz was a great hitter late in his career. So I don't know. I don't think so, but... It wouldn't surprise me if he took a little bit of a step back, but I think even with a little bit of a step back, he'll still be a really good offensive player. Yeah, I think it's like one of the things like, yeah, if you take a step back from an MVP level, as long as it's not like a drastic step back like what happened to Chris Davis a few years ago, you're still a high-quality player that can, that you want to have on the diamond. Um, but overall, it's just like with Jose Abreu and just that whole White Sox team, like they've they've been the team that everyone's like, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Like when they traded Chris Sale and they got Yon Mankata and those slew of prospects, it's like, okay, guys, let's give it a few years, and then they're going to be good. I'm like, now's the time where you better be good. Yeah, absolutely. And then they made moves this offseason. They kind of bullshit the bullpen a little bit, and they brought in at, they brought back Adam Eaton after they traded him away to Washington. So they're, they're definitely making moves to be a win-now team. I think, like you said, with the uh, AL Central weaker this year with the Indians trading away Lindor, it's really just a two-horse race. So I think that, I think that it's really going to be it's going to be an interesting season for sure. But I think the White Sox have the capability with their lineup and rotation uh, rotation prowess at the top. Yep. Who do you think could be the biggest surprise team this season? I think it could be the Mets. Like I'm cautious about get, like saying that a team that's the quote unquote champions of the off season as like somebody that's good, because we've seen time and time again that teams that make all the big splashy moves. They've had, like, egg on their face the next season. The Blue Jays in 2012, the Marlins in 13, then the Padres. They, they seem to make big, aggressive moves to try and contend now. But it didn't work. And it ended up sac- screwing them over for the next two to three years because they sacrificed a bunch of prospects. I'm afraid that that's what happened to the Mets. At the same time, I'm, I'm not as worried as I was previously because they didn't have to give away too much to get Lindor. They made moves that I just, they didn't feel like they had to sacrifice too much of their long-term future. So I think they could contend for a wild-card spot, but to say they'll win the division is a bit too much of a stretch for me to say right now. Yeah, I don't disagree with the Mets. I think they're a good wild-card team, but you never really know with these teams that win the offseason. For me, the team that I think is going to be the biggest surprise, and I don't necessarily know if they make the playoffs, but it reminds me way too much of their 2013 World Series team, is the Boston Red Sox. They were terrible last season, just like they're terrible in, terrible in 2012. They bring in a lot of veteran. They bring in Garrett Richards, uh, Enrique Hernandez, a few other like solid veteran pieces, along with Eduardo Rodriguez is coming back. He was out all of last season. I think they're going to surprise a few teams. I mean, people haven't pegged third, fourth in the AL East. I think they may be the second best team in the AL East, 
Toronto, uh, Toronto got a lot better this offseason, but I think people are, are a little too high on them. I think Tampa Bay got worse this offseason, traded away Snell, lost Morton. So I think they're the second best team in the AL East. They could definitely take a wild card spot. And from there, like we said, the playoffs are, who knows what's going to happen. So I think that's a team that will definitely surprise a few folks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I look at the Rays, like like you mentioned earlier, trading away Snell in the baffling like turn of events. I mean, the last time that we saw Blake Snell in a Tampa Bay Rays uniform was that stupid decision to pull him in Game 6 of the World Series. But of all the teams that could trade away their star pitcher and still be fine, it's Tampa Bay. Like, they're notoriously just, like, they have the lowest payroll in baseball. They always rely on their youth. And time and time again, it's shown that they pay dividends. Like, if their general manager, is, I, don't know, I don't know his name, but if he picks up the phone and he calls your franchise, hang up, because he's about to rob you blind. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're, they're a well-oiled machine. What are your predictions for our hometown Reds for this season? 500. I mean, I don't... They didn't make... They didn't make any moves, like you said, at the start of the show. I mean, and losing Trevor Bauer just really hurts the rotation. They have some prospects that I think could make some noise if they call them up, but just they don't have enough on the roster. Votto isn't what he used to be. Um, just they don't, they don't have enough talent to really contend. But I could still see them making the postseason, oddly enough, because the NL Central is just so weak. Yeah, the NL Central is terrible. But even that said, I mean, I think the Reds are probably the third best team in that division. They're just not enough there. They don't really have any real sort of firepower. The rotation's okay. The lineup's meh. I mean, they're just that. That's what the Reds are. They're just meh. There's like nothing, nothing special about them. They're like a seventy-five win team. Yeah, I think about that is just like reasonable expectation because it's just you have no reason to put butts in seats other than oh, it's just going to the Reds game. Like they're in the worst place that you can be as a team. Like you're not competing for like the worst so you get the highest draft picks but you're just there yeah i mean and you look at the cardinals in that division they added nolan arenado this offseason they have paul goldschmidt that's a team that has a lot of firepower so that's definitely a team that to look out for the reds play them a whole lot this year i mean they're bitter rivals i don't see the reds getting the better of that matchup not at all any final thoughts on your stance for the season predictions uh, I definitely hope this is a better season than last season. I think MLB, just the MLB management really mismanaged last season, and it just wasn't as interesting as it could have been. Obviously, not having fans in the stands probably contributed to that, but it just was, it wasn't that fun of a year. Um, and we saw that with the ratings in the playoffs, even with the expanded postseason. So I'm just hoping for a better season, a fun season that's engaging for all 162 games and the postseason. So. Excited for the year to start in almost less than two weeks now. I'd hope for a better season, but I'm thinking that given the whole work stoppage and the CBA is going to be coming up, I think it's going to be very tense. It's going to be like what it is like that gloomy weather with like a big dark clouds coming over baseball, because baseball is like just trending in a downward direction. And what the worst thing you need at this time is to have players and the owners bickering about 0.1 percent on the CBA. So as I said, I agree with you. I hope we have a fun season. Like. Baseball is a incredibly fun sport to watch, but just that CBA coming to ex- expiration just kind of hang over everything like a gray cloud. Yeah. A big thank you to Tyler and Joe for debating their season predictions. Now, let's hear from students and other Xavier community members on this issue. Okay, so with the season starting for the ML- MLB, uh, my family actually owns Cleveland Indians. 
season tickets and I'm excited to go to some of the games, but it depends how COVID is going to affect that. And I know some stadiums are actually allowing full capacity. So I'm hoping that that ha happens this year. I think the MLB season will go smoothly this year because, you know, last year with COVID and stuff, it was kind of rough. But I think we're getting over the COVID thing and the season will go smoothly. And there will be no interruptions. So being that I am um, very close to the sports here at Xavier, I'm a little concerned about um, the MLB and, and how that's going to work out just because we haven't been taking the best precautions for ourselves. So I can't necessarily expect that on a higher scale. I'm now joined by Grace, Hunter, Joe, and Tyler. At Debates and Discussions, we are all about controversial topics. The question of the night is, what is the best meme of the year so far? Hunter, you want to start us off? Yeah, so I'm going to kick this off, right? And listeners, you might be thinking like, well, this is a really weird and random topic. I know, I just threw something in there for today. But I do have a pretty hot take, I guess, as a you know, reference to our other show, Newswire Live. Um, you know, every year is the best year for Rick Rowling. And I just want to get that out there. It doesn't matter what year. It doesn't matter what new SpongeBob memes come up. It doesn't matter what Bernie Sanders did. Listen, the best meme every year is when you get a successful Rick roll onto somebody. And I've tried a couple this year. One worked out really well. Um, so I don't know. There's this new thing on TikTok where if you send somebody a video, it says must watch in a text and then like sends the video link at least that's what it does for me and so um i think it's funny so i send a text back with must watch and then like a link to you know rick astley never gonna give you up right got him so good i was so proud so i mean you know people may say it's stale whatever i'm gonna fight for my take here rick rolling that's the best meme every year all the time well, I mean, yeah, the Rick Rolling is definitely like the old faithful. Like, you can never go wrong with a good Rick Roll. But this year, we gotta be honest, um, the Bernie Sanders meme, just from at Inauguration Day, just sitting there, like, with his mittens, sitting, just like, all the memes that came out from Inauguration Day, they were just mwah, so good. That was a good one. Joe? Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. I mean, the fact that I can't really think of any other meme, and that's still popping up, kind of shows how. It's got longevity. It's a good meme. That's really all I have to say on that. The Bernie yeah. Sanders meme. The Bernie meme has staying power. My favorite is from the Oprah and Meghan Markle interview. There is this one clip of Oprah just sitting there, and all of a sudden she's like, what? But it's just funny because of like the buildup before the what. I don't know. People have been making good memes out of it. Grace? I would also have to agree with Tyler and Joe that my favorite meme right now is the Bernie Sanders meme. I think it definitely broke the internet. And uh, But to add something different, my favorite TikTok trend right now is where somebody like posts a story like me in a car crash and then like my bitmoji and like screenshots of their bitmoji like dabbing or doing flips. I think it's just hilarious. And it's really funny because people use uh, humor to cope with their trauma. Have you seen that trend? I mean, as somebody who doesn't have TikTok, no, I've never seen it, but like that it's sounds It's so funny. Wild. Hold on. I don't know. And I guess, I mean, up. I guess I was sort of unfair, so maybe you can all give me your thoughts on this. I was a huge fan of the the weekend at the Super Bowl halftime show. There's like the little like, well, now we're going to get into a whole different debate. The I'm going to say the gif of 
the weekend spinning around doing like I can't feel my face with like all the lights in the hallways. That if you're gonna you know if I have to be strict and stick to this year and you know Rickrolling isn't a valid meme response, then I'm gonna go with that because like I can just like just picture that meme. I loved it. All the different applications of it this year. It's been so funny. Yeah, there were a lot of good tweets with that meme. I kind of forgot about it because it came and went after like two weeks, but that was definitely a good one. Yeah, I mean, that meme kind of just died after the Super Bowl, so I don't think it has, like, the staying power of the Bernie meme, but it was definitely definitely good when it was prominent. I agree. Thank you guys for your commentary on this year's memes so far. A big thank you to everyone who has contributed to this episode of Debate and Discussion, including Managing Multimedia Editor Hunter Ellis, Show Manager Will Pembroke, Acting Editor-in-Chief Alex Batinsky, Campus Correspondent Grace Carlo, Audio Editor Sebastian Aguilar, Multimedia Producer Gwyn Haggerty, Guests Tyler Clifton and Joe Clark, and XUFM for the use of their equipment and recording space. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday, March 31st at 7pm for our next episode of Debate and Discussion, in which we will be debating the new freshman dorm coming to campus. And if you want to give a listen to our other show, Newswire Live, it airs every Monday at 7 p.m. From Xavier Newswire's podcast, Debate and Discussion, this is Aaron Albright, signing off. <laughs>